Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where we don't understand Dimmy Borgia album titles either, I guess. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Yeah, I was going through my collection today of Black Metal Records and uh, Insorte Diaboli and Puritanical, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it seems like uh, maybe a bit of a scrabble has gone wrong or maybe just trying to be creative and uh, went too far. Definitely could be that. I love that little um, phone app you can buy. It's a fake phone app, but if it was only true where you can decipher like black metal logos, mm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. So we uh, decided this week to uh, keep going strong with your podcast questions. You guys have been going in pretty hard with it. So uh, we've asked another one again this week and our podcast question is, albums that we want to hear live from our favorite bands uh, it got up to us where we've heard about i think 10 of the best songs played live or something called 10 albums best played live or something danny was it oh uh, well, yeah why not we'll go with that matt Sounds yeah smart. we don't know we'll check it <laughs> we, we know no one was we're too sure what it was but what we thought is hey this is like a good idea to talk about stuff that we really like again but we thought rather than talking about our favorite bands maybe i can throw a few bands at danny on the spot and he can tell us what albums he wants to hear from those bands yeah, do they have to be like real bands? <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to be reviewing the latest offering from Rings of Saturn called Ulta Ulta or Ulta Ulta. Uh, it's got a bit of meaning, which we'll get into a bit later on. Hey, Danny. Yeah, it's actually quite um quite profound. So if if you if you're holding anything of like significance, put it down now because once you find out this meaning, trivial, meaningless. Will. Look at your kids and being like, what a waste. It's like the end of like Usual Suspects where he drops the coffee mug. Oh, exactly that. Oh, good moment. Great Yashi. movie. Great movie. But first, let's move on to the news. Straight off the bat, we are talking Queen. I don't think we've actually talked about Queen before. We're talking about obviously the one and only uh, post. Uh, number one singer of all time, Danny, I would imagine. Mark II Queen, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, because now that Freddie Mercury's gone, long, long time gone, and now they've got a German called Adam Lambert who won a singing contest. Mm. Apparently never heard of or didn't get into Queen until his early 20s. Probably at the same time he won that competition. Probably <laughs> same time they asked him to sing for Queen. So, but, yeah. but, you know, even the most humble of people who just found about their favourite band only minutes before joining their favourite band would say they were terrified of actually singing those songs. Um, reading the article, you'd see that uh, Brian May and fellow Mayers and Queen, I guess, uh, was encouraging the young lad, saying, no, you're fine, don't worry about it. But even at that point, uh, he believed in his heart that uh, it was out of his element. And truth be told, he probably was Danny a little bit. Oh, yeah, exactly right. I mean, when you have classic frontmen like Freddie Mercury, you're not really going to replace him. You're just going to have someone out there who can just do a decent job on karaoke. Yeah, and, and decent enough job he has done. Um, in the past, we have seen uh, with Rainbow Danny, uh, the likes of Ronnie James Dio being replaced with, uh, I guess, Ronnie James Dio Jr. Yeah, Ronnie Romero. Ronnie Romero. Even changed his name to sound like, uh, don't believe it, I think he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and there are a couple of others that we could probably go into, but more importantly, Adam Lambert, He's the guy in Queen now. Yeah, and he'll be, I think they're touring early next year as well. So get ready to fork out a couple hundred bucks for those tickets. But the, but the band make no apology. They say basically it is Queen featuring Adam Lambert or Adam Lambert with Queen. So they do still separate it. And I think that just does the best way of, yeah, you can come across and hear the wrist, but, you know, Freddie is dead. There is no replacing him. And we have to really acknowledge that ourselves. Oh, let's get Freddie hologram. Controversy. Uh, looking into Megadeth with David Ellison, um, he basically went to an article about how he felt about Dave Mustaine's lack of vocal prowess. Now, that title alone was all I needed to then go on and agree with him, but reading the article more, what he lacks with of tonality and hitting the right notes and 
overall musicianship, Danny. Is that how singers do it? AKA singing ability. He makes <laughs> yeah. up with, with what he calls prowess, but what I think what he means is conviction. I think so, charisma as well, I think he used. Uh, he shouldn't word? really use words without knowing what they really mean. <laughs> um, but what Mustaine does is I think he has conviction and yeah. he has 100% confidence in his conviction. Uh, execution, however... Uh, there's another thing to say about his vocal line, Danny. Now, I don't think Dave, being in the same band as him, could really go into it. But what do we have to say about Mustaine's vocals? It's kind of like, you know, when you, you talk into a fan and it makes that weird noise? Yeah, yeah, Mustaine has that kind of tone about him. Yeah, so uh, it must be really hard just to have people around him feeling like they've got electric uh, interference with him all the time, having a conversation with him. But at the end of the day, um, he is making quite a lot of money. Second to, I think, Metallica, I'd imagine. Oh, ouch. And actually, Danny Elverson there has, I guess, a lot of um, job security there. He must have a decent like contract because for him to come out and say that, he's a pretty very, very, very lucky boy. Now, classically trained singer shows metal frontmen and women alike how to scream. We're talking about, I think, Angela Cross, her name is. Uh, Miss Cross is a classical singer, but she has no problems of channeling in her inner demons and coming out with quite a interesting style of screaming, Danny. It's really cool, yeah, yeah. I mean, she... Has it influenced a lot of these um, more metalcore bands that look like from the? Um, but Angela the, from uh, uh, Arch Enemy, the uh, the vocalist before uh, it all went horribly wrong <laughs> or boring, I should say. Uh, yeah, aka Free Loomis, uh, <laughs> Free Jeff Loomis. <laughs> Start a political party, Free Jeff Loomis. Uh, <laughs> I feel like one of those like uh, new conservative groups now. It's just kind of like no, we have to go back to where it was the same. You know what I mean? But uh, and nevertheless, we are talking about. Um, uh, this beautifully gifted singer who's managed to teach metalheads to scream for very, very long times without damaging their vocal lines. Yeah. And you can see when metal singers are like trying to scream, like anyone when they're trying to scream, their voice afterwards gets very raspy, very dry. About the same uh, problem as like smoking like 40 or 50 cigarettes, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's definitely right. It's something where it's hard with metal guys because they get like intensity and aggression. They write their own lyrics stuff and they just want to, build it out but unfortunately you can't do it night after night i mean you can do it in recording studios because if you blow your voice don't worry about it you can it recovers but on a road nut so uh, if you want the keys to a lamborghini but uh you don't want your voice to be dry after driving it where like it never would but anyway uh bad analogies aside um this is the girl you have to see i think she's got some dvds and stuff out too so anyone that's a metal vocalist out there that wants to do their thing for more than three years uh would be Pretty hard pressed not to do it. I don't yeah, imagine. but here in Adelaide, in the Army, the Australian Rock Metal Institute, there is a metal screamer teacher by the name oh. of Mitch. So if you're here in Adelaide, check him out. Check, check better be in the mail there, Christian and Connie Bream. Uh, don't say that we don't do any favors. In fact, uh, you know that one can just be on us. Uh, we're gonna look into the Malmsteen saga. We talked about Eugene Malmsteen from Sydney, Sweden. Sorry, from Sweden. <laughs> God, from Sydney, could you imagine? Nah, from Sweden, the guy is. He's a shredder. He's amazing. And he hates singers, apparently, Danny. Yeah, apparently, um, he always said too egotistical. And, you know, and he also thinks that it's not right because he writes the lyrics and he feels like if you're not writing the lyrics, you shouldn't sing it because it makes you feel like you're a poser. Yeah. And so previous singers that had been on his album pretty much called him a dick. Uh, Yeah, they kind of laughed at him. They kind of laughed him off because they kind of knew that this conversation was always coming around. Like, Yeah. yeah, the guy would probably want to sing if he could. He couldn't, but now he is singing regardless. Um, now that Michael uh, Vescera is also amused by the guitarist's uh, disparaging comments, um, basically they outline the biggest point is that he could be the biggest thing in the world, but if he wouldn't stop burning bridges with so many people, it just shows that side of him that it's very gene-like, and we don't really <laughs> like getting into that, do we, Dean? No, nah, actually, yeah, 
Gene did something even more Gene, but we'll talk about it a bit later on. Yeah. But you're right, Mouse McGann is one of those guys who, you know, pot kettle black type things. Like, yeah, he doesn't like people with egos, like taking his like limelight yeah. away. And yeah. then slams the best heavy metal singers of all time by saying that they aren't paying enough testament to his songs. I'm like, nah, they're probably doing a better job by yeah. doing letting them free. Give them the, they've got wings, man. They let them fly, <laughs> let them soar. But he's just coming there with his uh, uh, popsicles and just chopping them all off and. Uh, and for that, it's uh, pretty gene-like. Who's <laughs> that popsicles? Yeah, popsicles, man. <laughs> They've got like diabetes or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, diabetes. They're, they're too sweet with their sugary voices. Um, um. Uh, speaking about what we're going to talk about later, let's talk about right now with Gene Simmons. He doesn't regret attempting to trademark the horn hand gesture. He repeats that he regrets nothing. Basically, what this translates to, to anyone out there, is if he got away with it, he would have liked it, but it was the fans' fault why he didn't get more money out of it. So he decided it was a better business move not to do it. Yeah, we have that thing like Gene of the Week, and he's like Gene Gene. Yeah, like, he just keeps winning it. That's why he geez. has the award named after him. Yeah, it's quite amazing. Like he actually said, he's like Peyton or Trademark, tons of those like silly things you call it. Apparently, he's actually trademarked the symbol with the money sign on it, like the money bag. Like the money logo on a money bag symbol, he's trademarked that. So this guy here, any chance? I mean, he's already stinking rich, and mm. you don't need money. And it only cost him like it was like two hundred seventy-five dollars for him to pay the metal hoards or put in an application. So you're only going to put that much in to get all the extra money, you bastard. Yeah. So basically, he's found the easiest way to make lots of money by stealing everyone else's work, which I'm guessing is why Kiss got to where they were in the first place. I'd imagine, but um. You know, guys, stop buying those invisible guitar strings. Oh, you know, yeah. stop buying the Kiss Monopoly uh, .17 edition. You know, it's there has to be a time where we must teach Gene to stop being Gene and to be something bigger than his own character. But uh, I've never bought a Kiss record, and uh, I'm actually really happy that I've made that choice a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's great. I've read the article they talked to Paul Stanley about it. Like, Paul, what do you think about his jeans? He's like, ah, ah, just trying to distance himself. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we don't do kiss anymore. That's a different Paul Stanley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff uh, Be- Bessera, Beckerer, I gotta start. I've got to learn these names properly, man. I'm getting killed. Uh, puts the end of the debate over what was the first death metal band, Death or Possessed. Stanley, who is the first death metal band of all time? Well, if you read that article, you'd have to say Possessed, cause, but if you go by hearing I've never heard any possessed stuff mm. yeah. uh, I guess more importantly uh, Death are just a better band so we'll just go with Death right now hey Danny just a Vi convention yeah why not I mean like yeah yeah, <laughs> we don't know this play from Possessed he's not going to come down to Australia and tell us what's what but he was really cool about it like, like yeah I mean like Chuck all good mates you know you got a lot of inspiration from us but he's dead man that's not really fair he can't defend himself. Of course, there's no like debate. They say yeah. this is the end of the debate. Well, if the other side's dead, then it's a little bit hard for them to refute it, is it? So outliving your opponent uh, is enough for metal yeah. or whatever obsessed websites to call uh, clickbait material like this. And uh, yeah, that's it. We, we're no more talking about it. See, we've solved this argument. Like, uh-huh. no, hold on. Someone needs to be the voice of Chuck or the voice of that. So um, who's going to be that man, Danny? Not me, man. No, not me either, because that's a lot of a lot of work in history, and I barely have enough time to listen to Death albums, let alone argue uh, whether the first Death Metal band or not. But um, I really like their stuff. Yeah, no, that's might that's even great. talk about them a little bit later on with the uh, albums. Want to hear in our fullest? Hey, uh, maybe. D. Snyder had to stop headbanging. His neck has just about had it. Twisted Sisters frontman wore a lot of makeup. Uh, blonde teased hair, yeah, uh, you know, pink eyeliner, heels. Dra- he basically pulled off um, his outfit better than your girlfriend does. So, props to him, but uh, not his neck, unfortunately. I'm really surprised. I didn't think like 
Twister's sister was really that aggressive headbanging like material, nah. but uh. I never saw it in a film clip. Uh, all two of them that I think is I want to rock, and um, we're not going to take it. Yeah, never saw him do it there. So maybe he does it like at gigs, or maybe at home. In the comfort of his own, you know, lingerie-styled uh, arena. Uh, what nah, do you think? I think what's happened is just that massive amount of like, chemical product he had in yeah. his hair. I think that's just like weakened his neck over the time. <laughs> and now it's just like, yeah, that's why. If you see him now, he never wears a hair big anymore. So that's I think right. that's part of it. So head, he says head banging, but I think head banging with all that amount of heaviness on it, uh, it takes yeah. it just speeds up the process, right? Yeah, like you know when you, you brush your hair, you can't reach the last part, so you have to like flick your head to brush that last part. No, That's, I don't know that, oh, Danny. Well, I've been bold for the last. 50. See for Super Metal Brothers, uh, have you seen our profile pitch? We're pretty bold. Yeah, it wasn't always like that. Man. <laughs> it wasn't always. Ah, uh, it's been long enough for me not to remember what it was like to be happy and you know fruitful life. Uh, Save money, condition Five finger death punch. Uh, the front man has returned again. Again, again. You've even following us. We've uh, seen return to leave to return to be postponed, and now it looks like he's back again. Uh, Ivan Moody lives up to the last name. Uh, perfect analogy for his life in the band. Is this going to be for good, Danny? I'm putting bets that uh, it's going to last about a year, but what do you Ooh, reckon? Oh, that's not bad. Well, he actually has gotten help now. Rehab. He's come out of rehab. He's actually come out of rehab. It was it since August? It was mm. not August. When, when did it happen? April or something. I don't know. He's probably about three or four months. His name's been rehab. Hopefully... Yeah, hopefully it has worked. I just, yeah. oh, I don't know. It just seems so quick. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, whatever he was having rehab, rehab for, you know, uh, let's hope he stays off that and more for the brutes and the vocals. Go see Mrs. Cross. She'll she'll keep you away from the stuff, man. I've seen that stuff that lady does, man. She can scream in her sleep. And she actually started sleeping in one of those some, those ads and she's like doing that and she's screaming. It's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, okay, that's weird. But she has like weird um, exercise. Like they, they get, she gets the people like to blow in like through a straw into like a, a tank of water and make the bubbles be consistent and she says yeah it's very unorthodox methods but hey that works hey we're talking about Ivan Moody and now we're not because we're going to finish it off with John Campbell from Lamb of God he was asked what he thought about when they started doing clean singing you know with Randy Blythe the, uh, the Lamb of God singer was notoriously known for just screaming in every single album but they thought you know rather than beating a dead horse uh, until you you know pulverize the uh, bones into a snorting material they thought, why not start singing? And uh, the guy uh, was uh, very pessimistic about it, Danny. Yeah, he heard Randy sing on the uh, touring bus and was not very happy with his uh, level of singing. Maybe Mousy might like his singing. <laughs> takes attention, leaves attention on his guitar playing. Mm. But yeah, so he wasn't really happy with it. But then he heard him on the ra- on the um, album and like sing properly in the uh, recording studio and was very happy with what he heard. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, Pro Tools can do. Reverb, Ouch. chorus... Uh, lessons yeah lessons yeah, uh, but a, a good producer around you to tell you that all those notes you've been singing are in fact the wrong notes oh, yeah but it, it was the biggest like clickbait like uh, article article it says oh you know Lamb of God uh, guitarist uh, he was very cringeworthy when he heard singing and he turned out and it wasn't that at all so very clickbaity. Uh, that's what uh, media does the best. They just need to get you onto the website first, and then they can explain it with like you know the truth as the best as they can. Uh, if it exists anymore in, in journalism these days, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. And apparently, more of Lamb of God's albums, the future albums, they say. Well, apparently, they're taking a hiatus. But when they come back, there'll be more um, of these clean vocals. Well, you know. Apparently they can do it forever. Even uh, Dave Mustaine came out and said that uh, this week that they got he's got one more album he reckons left in him for Megadeth. Um, 
you know, just like I guess Kiss has one more touring cycle, yeah, and yeah. just like uh, John Farnham has one more like last 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 performance left in him. Uh, you know, you guys will keep doing it uh, until you die because if you stop writing, you probably will die because your brain will be like it doesn't know what else it can do. It, it gets up, jumps on a plane, plays in a city it doesn't know, comes back home. And uh, looks at those things in their house, like uh, what are they called? That they take up space in that um, family. Children. Like it looks at the family and children. Yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, if, if you go with Mustang, though, he's like diversified his income there. Now he's like a tour host, and he has people sleep at his house. So now he's like a bed and breakfast person. The full Megadeth experience, yeah, waking up experience. in an outdoor tent and paying four thousand dollars to use an outdoor toilet. Yeah, but you can be serenaded by. Dave, why are you taking a shit? With, with his vocal line that even Ellison couldn't put in succinct words to say, it's bad, but you can get used to it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, hey, guys. Pay my bills. Let's go listen to our podcast question of this week. Podcast question this week is albums we would like to hear and see live in its entirety. Uh, favorite bands, bands in general. Our fans have responded and sometimes... Uh, numerously they've uh, liked the question this week and uh, that's because we're going to go into them and also ask Danny about some of the uh, bands that I want to hear his favourite albums of that he wants to hear live. Yeah, so it's going to be a pressure situation. This is unrehearsed, people, if you can believe it, it's unrehearsed. But it comes to... I think they won't find that too hard to believe, Danny. <laughs> oh, but it comes to the point like bands like Dream Theater have just come out and they've done their whole Image and Words uh, tour. So they've done like... Well, it's actually a double set in one. You know, one set's picture songs with one set being full images and words deep purple did machine head for who many who knows how many years and symphony x we just saw last year did the whole entire album cycle for the last one they have done yeah there's um underworld that's right yeah. underworld they played literally from very song a to song b and at the end of the uh, set list they came back for it and gone and currently nevermore doing self-titled oh, nevermore you God, get it matt nevermore right. you get it self-titled you get don't, it don't bring up jeff loomis <laughs> unless we have to right all right anyway so we're gonna go from the top of our fan choice list first danny and then we're gonna get into what uh, danny has to think about some of the uh songs uh, bands i want to hear from but uh jamie jackson from the very very top lamb of god sacrament i actually think it's their best album too uh jamie jackson i think he might not have agreed it's his favourite album. Maybe he just wants to hear all the songs from it. But uh, I think from top to bottom, it's actually legit strong as. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Amy Carson, Chaos of Vida, Colliding Skies. I think, I think they've got an album out this year, but I'm not too sure. Uh, but what I am sure of is that her partners also responded. We've got our first husband and wife duo on our page, Danny. Yes, so in times ahead. Thank you for that. Clayton Carlson has said Mechina, and that's as embers turn to dust. Some bands that we probably have to get into because I have never heard of their stuff. Is Chaos Divide that band where um, the Lisa for Boarded sang in? <gasps> yes, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. It's got the chick singer and, yeah. the, and the guy singer in it. Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, but Mechina, no idea. Uh, Kieran Hargraves has requested a pendulum with the album Immersion uh, that has a metal song on it featuring the guys from In Flames uh, called Self vs. Self. Uh, did you guys like work out this together when you were working? No. Well, maybe because I do know the guy personally and he's a top lad. Loves his uh, cars, Holden's Port and his drum and bass. Well, he loves Holden's and Port. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you friends with this gentleman? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much everyone from the Northeast, Danny. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, Zach Hammett, Dragon Force, Inhuman Rampage. I would like to see them play it. And at one point, they would have liked to see themselves play it because I remember oh. the whole Studio Force argument, Danny. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, when they first came out, they were kind of, um, 
struggling. Enable to play their own the material that they did live, giving them the moniker Studio Force. Yeah, but because I've heard they they've w- improved a lot. Oh, yeah, they days. can do all yeah. those songs now live fine, you know. Uh, just ambitious from the band, you know, to, to want to get a very good album out there. But uh, some of these stuff, man, if you're not practicing it every day of every week of every month of every century... You lose all that speed and that accuracy, and they um, and when you do it in front of other people, it kind of makes you embarrassed. Yeah, but only there when you start playing things live. What I've been told, you kind of like kick it up a gear again, so your tempo is just going off the charts, and yeah, hard to play that stuff up really, really fast. Ryan Whittaker has said, "Architects lost together, uh, lost forever." Sorry, it's the same album uh, or hybrid theory from Lincoln Park. Rest in peace, Chester Bennington. Unless you do believe that uh, one day you will be treated. For being a good Samaritan here on Earth to heaven, which would be encompassing of all your favorite bands playing together, you'd get to all the uh, highlights like Jimi Hendrix playing with Chester with uh, Chris Cornell doing a duet with him, I'd imagine. Yeah, if only, man, if only. Yeah. But until then, we have to admi- imagine what it would have been like. I saw Link Park once live at Soundwave, and Danny, I didn't really care much for it. Well, you've never have, Matt. You never have. You just want that <laughs> massive poser. Massive. Braden CFC, the boy loves his hate breed and he wants to hear the album Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, but he wants to hear a double whammy, a double main event, aka no main event. Uh, Chimera is the impossibility of reason. I actually would argue with that, that Chimera's best album is that one, or the album I want to hear in its entirety from start to finish because. The last one they did with the guys from uh, Darth. Can you believe, Danny? Really? Yeah. They actually got two or three, two members. I think it was the guitarist and the drummer. It was Emil Hesker, the guitarist, I think, and then the drummer as well. And they did the last Chimera album. And that thing is unbelievable. It would be very groovy, I could imagine. I mean, Darth are pretty pretty underrated. I mean, they're one of the greatest songs, Silence. It's pretty much got one of our... Oh, I nearly made our top 10 metal albums of all time. Crown of Phantoms, that album. You want to listen to that. But um, again, that would be a metal, a heavy, hardcore. It's more metal core, I guess. It's really hard to say. Um, thrash, just heavy day out. You know, I'd imagine you want to do something that, uh, you know, like get the boss to yell at you before you come out and uh, tend to fire you or something or yell in front of customers. So you'd get in the right framework to uh, really enjoy that set yeah, list. Yeah, but unfortunately, Chimera and Amores. Uh, yeah, so they're about as good. Man. Yeah, exactly. They're touring with Nemore at the moment. Hey, yeah. Dave. Yeah, oh, uh, I can't believe I'm doing this myself. <laughs> Animatic with Disgorge, uh, Parallels of Infinite Torture or Consume from The Forsaken. I actually got into The Forsaken only very, very recently, Danny, and they're actually a very good decent band oh there you go um disgorge do sound like a band that would like to talk a lot about uh people's heads and bodies not being in the same place um very much uh a death metal band i'd imagine but um nevertheless you know good luck with that one because if anything makes money in today's uh, political climate it's death metal right danny yeah it's like clearly hitting all the airwaves <laughs> making all the money you can't even turn the radio on one segment without hearing a blast beat can I, can I be right or what that's the reason why the possession guy came out he wants to say hey, no, I started this massive like thing which is death yeah, metal which everyone's taking credit for where's right? my royalties oh. I want my Gene where's my royalties you know exactly right and Gene is obviously trademarking right now the death metal moniker you know just anyone saying death metal right now has to pay uh, him three bucks oh shit man we yeah. went down 12 bucks yeah if I mention uh, you know death metal orange juice and flap the horns I'm out like 30 quid and you can't pay him a money bag otherwise you have to give him more money so. <laughs> it's quite clever what he's done Melissa Taylor hold your colour from Pendulum ah this is not anything about it it's metal <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, I did say favorite bands, so I'm going to give you this one. Yeah, um, no, we're not boom. It's Pendulum boo. is a drum and bass uh, band, though. From I would say they're a band now. I think there was like a DJ before, but now they actually have a full rock band setup. Yeah. And they're from Australia, from Perth. A pension from Australia. Yeah. No from way. Yeah. Oh, and and these guys props. are massive. They are massive. So um, station now. We did see. I yeah, did see the uh, uh, DJ enough. set, but this yeah, isn't very enough. metal. So we're yeah, gonna move enough. on to uh, Andreas Lopez. Uh, he actually is bragging now. So uh, uh, when most people wanted to uh, talk about their uh, band that they would love to see live with their favorite album, this guy has, and it is um, at the gates playing Slaughter of the Soul, which is all the songs from that album when he went to see it. I think it was in Brisbane at the time, uh, a long time ago, I would have thought. Um, I know for a fact that his favorite band is Hypocrisy, though. So I think it's just a matter of just kind of showing off and flexing his muscles in front of everyone. Um, that is quite the achievement. These guys are the melodic death metal innovators, uh, much, but not like what our boys from Possess would have you imagine. Uh, these guys, I think, <laughs> actually invented Melodic Death Metal. Wow. Oh, oh, come at me, suck these balls, man. Um, but what's more important is, what do you think, Danny, about what Andreas Lopez just said? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, what he likes that he heard them live. I don't know. I have to ask if he's heard them live. <laughs> we've only, we can say testament for sure that we've heard one band do it with Symphony X, right? With Underworld album. So they did play every single song of that yeah. in order. Is there anything else, Danny, that you can think of in collective memory that we have seen live from start to finish? Because i got to be honest, man. Generally, what metal bands do is play 50% of their set list off the new album, and then they'll play the other 50% of the last three or whatever albums. Like You know what I mean? They mix it up. Unless it's the first album cycle, and then whatever case, I'm just making myself sound like an idiot. Yeah, that happens quite often. Um, and, uh, oh, and Dream Theater, but we didn't see Dream Theater. Yeah, there's another good point as well, because like Killswitch also did their um, As Daylight Dies tour the start of this year around the world. So yeah, that's another bad which you decide to um do the things in full. I think Braden saw that one as well. So that's um so yeah he can he can call to that one. I didn't have money to go to Sydney or Melbourne to see that. So oh, And uh to finish it off we have our boy uh oh man, I can't believe it. Jason Aspen, sorry, that's his name. Uh I got a, I got a, uh, sucked there for a second. He said kill switch engage. As Daylight Dies, that is a very interesting call. Uh, generally, the band has two albums, The End of Heartache being one, and The End of... No, sorry, The End of Heartache's one. What's the other one before that? Hold on, Danny. Just fill the microphone while I find out. But isn't it Daylight Dies? You know, Last Serenade? What's that album from? No, no, no. I'm finding that right now. Oh, uh, because that's one, that's one they... CFG. Oh, that's the one they toured with this year. And that was, um, unfortunately, like most bands, Killswitch decides... Not to come to Australia. Alive or Just Breathing. Alive or Just Breathing. That's what they did that tour this year. Alive yeah. or Just Breathing and a Heartache and then it's Daylight Dies. Now, generally, oh. people love the first two, which is either uh, End of Heartache or As Daylight Dies. Uh, Danny, for you, when's your pivotal moment uh, when you'd say your biggest fanboy of theirs? Oh, yeah, definitely the first one. Yeah, that, Alive or Just Breathing? Yeah, Alive or Just Breathing yeah. is the one I really got into. It was the first one, to be fair, but it was a really good album. I think it is, and I think the band knows it too. And they did a tour with that in Australia, yeah. which I didn't see because I think it was just on the East Coast. Yeah, that's right. I just mentioned that, Matt. Yeah, that's right. I was too busy mic. looking at other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I said it, they'd be like, man, Matt's super intelligent. I'm like, why does Daniel keep messing it up? I'm like, you know, I just said it, but with more boldness there's you a know? pretty bad echo in this room echo. yeah yeah it's a massive room i mean the part where obviously because we, we are death metal musicians ourselves so we get the luxuries in life like a big studio you know two separate toilets because no one likes sharing the toilet bowl when you, when you sit on it, it's warm it's like dude that could be someone's hairy like you know pubic hair on that and that's so gross isn't it 
Hey, Matt, pass the salt. <laughs> sorry, I can't hear you, Dan. This other room, which is soundproof. Oh, yeah, sorry. But now I want to ask you, Danny, uh, some bands. And I want you to tell me honestly hmm. what your favorite album is of this. Oh, interesting. Dream Theater. As long as you want to hear live, no, the band, the albums that you want to hear live from them. It's funny because I, I currently I'm really back into like the whole melodic sections. Oh, so okay. I really images and words I always go back to that okay. or away because it is the steady rock one. Yeah. After that, it becomes too either too experimental or the albums aren't like solid enough all the way through. Yeah, fair so enough. one of those two will probably be the drink the other way. Okay, tr- train of thought for me. I, I just think that that was the first time they actually said, let's just write an album in two weeks. And they had to <laughs> limit themselves by just playing riffs and sections that were just f- like just more engaging as a metal band. They had to like simplify things a lot more. And I I loved it. I thought that was much better. Um, next band I want to talk about is... So Nevermore, should we just say No, anything? no, not yet. Not no, yet. not yet. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Nevermore. Yeah, let's go. Nevermore. Yeah. Uh, actually, I reckon Dreaming Neon Black. Yeah, I, yeah. I know why you say that because you really like it. It's a bit higher in the tuning, right? But it's a bit more just like I don't know. What is it? What is it about that album that you like more than other albums? I just think it's like solid, consistent rock and grooves throughout the whole um, song, the whole album. So like it is. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's groovy as it's. It's sad. It's groovy. It's heavy. There's some big pounding moments like deconstruction. Uh, then there's no more will as well, which is yeah, more of a grinder. Awesome. Then you've yeah. got fast ones like Beyond Within, um, and I'm the Dog. You know that kind of stuff like Poison that. Poison God Machine. Yeah, and then that's Rifferola, right? I mean, I, I play that to my friends. Like, wow, what is that? I'm like, that is your key to happiness. Bamba Sugar, Danny. What album do you want to hear from them? Oh, I'm a Sugar. Um, I mean, Destroy and Raise Improve, I guess, because that was pretty much the first heavy metal albums I got into. So that's always a a um. I guess for nostalgia sake, that'll probably be it. Yeah. What's yours, man? Uh, I like Coloss. Oh. But uh, I would actually wouldn't mind to hear uh, Chaos Fear as well. Yeah. yeah. Should you have a Death, man? What album? If Death was still going around, who would you want to hear? I really like the sound of Perseverance. And the funny story is I did a bit of research on that. And the album was actually not supposed to be a Death record. But apparently he ended up using it because there was like one album left with the label or something. Um, but at that time, he was pulling himself away from death and wanted to do something else. And I find that experimental nature of it helps really embellish some of those heavy like lines. And I really loved the album. I thought it was fantastic. Some of the most powerful and poignant moments from death. Uh, some memorable sections as well. Um, just a great album all, all the way through. Uh, we've done Nevermore, done Sugar. I actually wanted to talk about Soilwork. Do you have any albums from Soilwork that you loved, Danny? Uh, I guess for me, it's just natural born chaos. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite. I mean, also stabbing the dramas, cool as well. But yeah, yeah, I think stabbing the drama is cool. It's a heavy album all the way through, but uh, from top to bottom, that album was classic. It's probably their best album to date for uh, natural born chaos from Solo. Predator's Portrait, if you're more of a guitarist, because it has a bit more of those iconic guitar wanky kind of leads. And to finish it off, Danny Symphony X. Oh, you're waiting for that, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Also, I was doing is bringing it up to the the coup de gras, the finale, the your metal reputation as a Symphony X fan on the line. Um, what do you want to say, Danny, for yourself? It's actually interesting because, uh, like I said, I've been in a very melodic mood lately. You know, I keep going back to like Methodology Suite 5 currently. But if I have to go to all time, you probably have to say, geez, it's very close, man, because Paradise Lost is solid, Odyssey is solid. But you probably have to go Iconoclast just for variety. Oh. That that only if it includes the bonus tracks because yeah. those bonus tracks are freaking sweet. Man. Yeah, that there's the funny thing is I I can understand why it wasn't put on the album because it does sound 
not in context with it, but they're great songs. Like regardless, as, as B-sides, you'd still fork over the money because you listen to the album itself, right? And go, yeah, that's cool. You know, that you're six or seven tracks off that side A, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Seven, the first one. Yeah. Seven, right? And that and that's pretty decent. But then you get more of it on side B and uh, some great songs, man. It's a great album. Actually, going about bands, which album? How about uh, Disturbed? What album from Disturbed would you want to hear? Oh, look, um, I think I think uh, the best thing about that is that obviously you're pretty safe because uh, they've done the Down With The Sickness, right? Yeah. Then they did Believe. Then they did Believe again. Okay. And again, <laughs> and they seem to like that album quite a lot because uh, looking into it in 2000, I think three years ago, I think it was, uh, they did it for the fourth time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you're pretty safe with the Believe album from Disturbed. Yeah, I think you're correct. It's kind of like if you had like Wheel of Fortune and it's like the same thing on each one, you just spin it, it doesn't really matter, and you just stop where it stops. Well, you know, you could argue that 10,000 Fists is enough different from Believe, and I'm not going to worry about arguing with that. I'm just going to concede defeat because I really don't want to argue about Disturbed or talk about them unless I have to. But after, even after that, you've got to concede that that Indestructible album is very similar, and then obviously the Asylum album is even more similar. Yeah. Actually, another band who you, what, if you want to see the album full, so Jeff Buckley. So, what album would you want to hear in full? <laughs> yeah, wow, this guy's a little bit like phase one, isn't it? Where it's kind of like, <laughs> well, you better like his one of his stuff. Uh, look, obviously, the greatest album was his uh, finest moment. Um, I don't think he ever followed up that album, which is a bit of a shame, but um, it's okay because uh, his memory will live forever through the swim that he took and uh, I don't think he ever stopped swimming then yeah it was that song isn't it it's all, <laughs> hey it's all foreshadowed oh in the song oh god no. Timmy Borgia maybe I don't know I, I'd have to say Puritanical that album's the best no in Sorted Diaboli everything else isn't very good is that because you just learned how to say it this week <laughs> <laughs> no, all week great albums Disturbed are like the band that no sorry Timmy Borgia god what am I doing Timmy Borgia I like a band that are really solid but stop short of being amazing because they have fillers too often in their albums. You know, they've got so many times they put a song in and you can tell that wasn't Golder that wrote it. Like the best thing they ever did was put Golder in it, but the worst thing they did is when they put Golder in it, they show you how bad the other guitarist is at songwriting. <laughs> I'm sorry for the other guy. You know, I'm sure you're a top bloke, but I'm just a Golder fan, man. Fangirl foot through and through. Got all the Old Man Child CDs apart from the first one, so I haven't got all the Old Man Child CDs yet. Um, True story. But there you go. Uh, I guess with that, um, what, tell you guys what you think about your list, the list that we just gave you guys. Uh, head over to our facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro and uh, leave a comment, maybe even ask a question for us next week. Uh, we've actually got hopefully two new questions that we haven't used yet, Danny. Yeah, actually, now that we've been like scrutinized or checked, we feel like we have to... Um I put love more, it. Put more effort into it. It's but good. Keep, I the, keep, it. keep the bastards honest, man. There used to be a political party like that, but then they got too lazy or something. And maybe, maybe they got too honest. Uh, yeah, and now everyone just wants everyone else out instead of someone else in. So, you know. Yeah, actually, look, we appreciate all the um, people putting up your favorite albums. I mean, there's come listening for us to do as well. We have most of those albums we haven't heard yet. So, mm. I mean, there are a lot of bands, a lot of albums out there. So, we hey, look, we appreciate the, um, the effort. I do like effort. Let's no, go on don't. to our CD review. Daniel, when I say bizarre, uh, innovative, and uh, slightly unusual, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Dillinger's Escape Plan. That's right, Daniel. <laughs> Rings of Satin. Oh, sorry. Uh, O2O2, the latest album from the Californian Deathcore heavy metal band. Normally, you get this kind of stuff from Sweden because it gets so cold that all you need to do is just practice. But these guys, apparently, when you have awesome weather all the time... All you need to do is stay outdoors and practice. Apparently, I guess they're in their like coffee shops, smoking their weed, watching like all no, the. No, they smoke rainbows. weed at California. 
California. California. California. <laughs> You're phoning it in, Matt. Too long now. <laughs> yeah, Cali- in California, they can smoke weed, but in California, they can't. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, okay. that, that's the difference. That's what a lot of tourists get wrong, and they end up getting themselves arrested. Now, uh, trusting the internet source as a credible, reliable source that I think everyone does, you know, when they've got no chance of contacting the band, that or they can be bothered to... Um, these guys actually used to be just a studio band, but actually got a massive amount of positive energy thrown their way through the fans, and they decided to take this thing on the road. Yeah, we got drawn to him by the uh, ex-wrestler, Perry Saturn. They used to be his finisher, Rings of Saturn. So that's, that's right. straight away, we got uh, allured to the Preconceived band. the band's arrival, knew they were going to be great, gave them a heads up before they came onto the scene. He was great, you know. Gotta love Perry Saturn and Moppy. Gotta love Moppy. <laughs> Cross-eyed bastard. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, we know they started as a studio band, but we also know now that they're into sci-fi and alien themes. And if you didn't know that by reading it, you sure as hell would have found that out when you listened to the album. Because straight off the bat, you hear very unusual sounds put forth by a deathcore unit, I'd imagine. Mm. I mean, a band from the 80s that sing about, you know, cars or um, depression, that makes sense. Okay. But uh, when it comes to a, uh, a deathcore band, Danny, aliens doesn't come to mind straight up. Straight, or at least first. Well, it's true, but all the drugs they take in California, plus all the colours with the rainbow flags everywhere, you're going to get yourself some tripping like experiences. Yeah, some interesting motivation. But like the whole, um, I mean, the whole concept's kind of staged or set up with their cover, right? You have the little UFOs and shooting beams and stuff, so it's quite a Yeah, quite and, a it, and it's psychedelic as well, and the funny thing is, the very first song, you kind of get a good, it's a good way to ease people into it with the song Servant of a Sentience. It eases you into the album. It shows that these guys, although it eases you in as best as a deathcore band can ease someone into deathcore because there's very much like a familiar sense of melody in it, right? Um, the tone's set up that it's got that alien sci-fi, unusual. People say video games. I'm like, all right, that's a stretch because like, I think there are bands out there who actually use like 8-bit sounds and stuff like that and actually more uh, in tune with what a Atari would sound like. But um. But it's a good. It's a good one. It's got those like uh, familiar chord patterns, but they use a lot of that technical stuff that has come to known through deathcore and stuff like that with those breakdowns. Yeah, that's true. I mean, right, the tone is a strong tone. I guess that that is trying to give you that sci-fi out of body experience with the synthesizers and with the guitar yeah. tones and with the. Uh, yeah, with all those lots of interesting effects. note selection. It's very much kind of dissonant. Um, doesn't it can sound very heavy, especially being those brutal breakdowns where it's like, dun, 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 dun. so it's got all this slam kind of uh, winks and nods, but also does a little bit things a little bit differently. Uh, one obviously is the guitar tone for a sense. It has that gent feel to it, where it's that cut off staccato style but there's a little like you said Danny it's hard to imagine if it's the guitars making that noise or a synth doing it at the same time and for some of these sections was where it sounds like dream theater uh in the sense that it's that progressive nuts you know throw in as many notes as you can stop it and then throw in as many notes as you can again yeah definitely right I mean the good thing about it even though they do those again weird pauses or quick interludes with like a little piano sound or whatever or maybe like a sound effect here or there they they do have a bit of a nice flow to the um songs. They they do tie them together well, and they are actually written so you're taken on a journey. Yeah, unlike last week with um Code Orange, where they just they're too jarring. These guys here actually try to have a bit more structure to their songs. It sounds like a philosophy different though. Whereas Code Orange were like just had a disdain for everything, including their own songwriting. These guys are doing everything for the song to uh show a creative prowess that they've brought on board and combining a ton. And a ton of elements, you know. You've got your folk rock 
kind of saw like intros, like you know, with the elude from um, Unhallow for track three, um, your circus kind of themes, um, your classical intros as well. Um, it's quite interesting. You've got your proggy stuff, gent, deathcore, you know, your breakdowns uh, across the whole entire album. Those Keith Merrowy kind of styles in parallel shift where it's you know what I mean? Like it's kind of jazzy, but it's also heavy as hell. There's a lot going on in this record to digest, isn't it, Danny? Oh, definitely. Again, it's one of those albums you have to hear more than four or five times to actually hear all the subtleties in it because everyone has, does their little tricks in it. I mean, the drummer will just do like a double kick straight into like a little snare roll or whatever. He'll just break it up quite a bit. Guitar play then and synth, they have like an interplay battle and even with the drums, have an interplay battle when you're trying to decipher who's going with what. Um, singer very impressive. Uh, he he has a lot of wind in his lungs because mm. he just goes and goes and goes, like changes style on a turn. Uh, very clever with his pitching of phrasing, especially like in the track seven or so. He actually his scree- um, squealing or screeching ascends with the guitars and descends with the guitars, and I, I thought that was quite clever. So he's got a, a bit of variety and a bit of bag of tricks. This guy, yeah, but that's exactly what you were right, Danny. The band has so many tricks. It's like showcasing not only their styles but their techniques as well you know um and there's a lot of different things going on from your tapping sections your sweeps this is a technical death metal band at times as well you know and they make no apologies about it you know to get or to get that very unusual space sound uh, and i guess it's the rusty cooley method just play anything really 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 fast and eventually the paradox is when you get to a certain speed, it just sounds like Space Invaders, doesn't it, Danny? <laughs> well, it does. It sounds like you've died at a video game. Yeah, yeah. And you can play whatever you want. Uh, generally, you hear those like whole tone kind of scales through there, and that eventually it just automatically sounds unusual. But these guys can do it a lot. You know, um, the guitarists do everything. Um, the uh, the amount of ambience and stuff that's thrown in there behind the scenes, whether it be a keyboardist or just or programs uh, into it, is. Uh, I think integral what this stands these guys out, you know. Without it, it would feel just like a deathcore band, you know, just pushing those boundaries between, um, in just in combining different elements that aren't familiar in metal. But uh, that's um, that unusual alien sci-fi thing is just out of, out of this world, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, definitely right. Uh, there were some like issues I found with the production. Yep. Uh, first one's the first track. It's hard to hear the singer. I, oh, think, good point. I reckon the mixing wasn't great. It's like first, is this like I th- I thought you know sometimes people start where the singer's a bit like low and then they just kick in the boost to bring him up a bit. But it wasn't. So the whole first track, it just sounded like the singer was too far down. And even track three, where it's that whole like Spanish acoustic style of song, I, I don't think that was appropriately placed in the album for that song. Unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it's either, you either use it as a lead-in intro where you, you you try to create a beautiful, bat, like you know, the whole acoustic Spanish sound creates that like, you know, like the matador, the battlefield, a uh, bit of like romance to it. So you either start with that interlude and it goes into like these intense album or you finish it off saying, okay, the battle's done, it's been fought and now we're just coming to a soft ending. Mm. So I think putting in track three just didn't seem like it fit in it. Or like, maybe if you there's like a, a lyrical theory or lyrical concept to this album, maybe it fits into that, but unfortunately I couldn't tell. Yeah, I was. it was funny because the, the, the familiar, it didn't feel... It feels like it's so bizarre in that that it also like everything going on is so chaotic in that that eventually it kind of found a little familiar to me. So I, I got to track eight and nine, I was like almost hit my limit. So I was getting a little just done with the album to a degree. However, they brought in a really cool disco beat in track nine, which I was very appreciative of. So before, just before I was about to quit it, 
but I did quit around the, the last track because by then I felt like I, fit, I heard everything that I needed to hear in degree. Um, but I, I was really, uh, that's what I liked about the band. They were willing to not just give you a, a, a blast beat or a breakdown a lot, but they do bring it in a lot too. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of Slam. This is the closest that I've come to really enjoying hearing those kind of elements in a death metal band though, Danny. Yeah, again, they, they do it like, not as much as I thought they were going to do it. Yeah. And even then, they do change it up a bit. Like instead of just doing those slow, like, jun, yeah. they might mix that with a bit of a pinch squeal, like, riff in it or try to break it up a bit. So I, I'm not overly like, oh, here's another one breakdown. Okay, go back into some, oh, here comes the same breakdown. So I thought they did enough to, like, mix it up a bit. Uh, again, they were, like, clever with their um, sound effect choices and their additional use of like things like the circus intro is quite clever because that song is pretty chaotic with how it's um guitar riffing and the drum beats it all it is very battling songs they are they're very the projection wise that's quite clever i do agree with your point that it can be a bit too much at times like even though the songs are like technically great and quite quite good quite engaging you do feel like wow i've heard this like 40 minutes straight it's it's really enduring to yeah it beats you man and um the thing is, though, lucky for them that they can combine so many different things to separate themselves because uh, it will separate these guys from the pact. And if you're into Deathcore uh, or anything like Gent or anything like that, these guys are an essential buyer for you because I feel like these guys are now pioneering a, a style that's been run into the ground quite a lot, you know, but these guys have made it fresh again for you to listen to. Uh, it is, though, a demanding kind of listen and it is very challenging in a sense. I feel like musician music does it a disservice in a way as well but it does sometimes feature in that like technical drawing and i can tell why these guys weren't so much going to go into the whole touring thing with it they're happy to be a studio kind of thing like play it live spend a bunch of billions and hours of learning it and then playing it and then not worrying about touring it because i I don't know the market what is for this kind of stuff anymore you know but uh there is it's it gets, it's all pretty much high intensity stuff with only a few parts they slow down or acoustic sessions or little piano interludes which are quite nice but yeah it is go 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 and unfortunately at times that can be a bit much maybe I'm getting older but nah, maybe but I the thing is I really rate Archfield this year for yeah. for doing similar things yeah. but um, their their um, way of going about songwriting I feel like they are very good at st- like not just I don't know if storytelling is the right way, but going through a song through the motions where the climax of the riffs and that will go to the end and that's what you want to go there. It's pushing towards something. Mm. And these guys are just generally just very much having a great time throwing some just really cool ideas together and uh, seeing what sticks. Uh, it's, it, it's yeah, it's, it's an interesting listen. It's bizarre. It's unusual. I think it is... You know, with all the grooves and the different tonality and stuff, and that it's interesting. I think it's uh, definitely a lot there for people to kind of pond over and get their imagination running wild, Danny. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, I I do like Sabin more than uh, Kurt Orange from last week, but you're right, less than Archfear, which we did earlier on in this uh, year. Um, Archfield, to be fair, the album was shorter, so maybe they understood that that plenty of strengths, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, no, there's no reason to write an album with ten tracks if you're going to say what you need to an eight. Uh, I'm not saying in the sense of this guy, but um, the first, you know, it, it, there's just so many things in this band they do a lot different, and then some of the stuff the same. And it is probably uh, a hard way because we're obviously not these kind of boys. We're not really into that kind of sound. So when we, we do hear familiarity with technical notes playing it, like say like Space Invaders or 
you know, slam stuff where it's just like takes away some of the momentum we feel from songs sometimes. But uh, these guys seem to do it better and they seem to do it more engaging for that. It's definitely a check out, man. These guys, uh, it's a strong band and there's a lot of attention to detail goes into everything from the artwork to the riffs to the, to the soloing to everything, to everyone's playing in it. It's just top bunch of musicians playing a very tough, demanding uh, style of music. Yeah, no, I agree. I reckon it's, it's definitely worth a listen to at least two or three songs and if you like it and yeah, I mean, you don't even listen this to one because you get such a yeah. familiar way they're going to do it and then they just bring different ways of approaching those ideas. Uh, but that uh, sci-fi trippiness is just great and they're just chaotic in that sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was surprising as well. It's their longest song is an instrumental song. So they figured that one out. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's probably because a singer, he, he was a lot into these songs. Maybe he needs like a big break. Yeah. You do, man. I mean... I think even if you like got the Mrs. Cross uh, inspiration, I think eventually you, you got to have some breaks, man. Your voice will just die eventually. But it's a good album. No, no, I, I, I will definitely argue that um, nitpicking aside, it's a strong album, man. For you guys to want to check it out, if we've purchased your interest up, um, I think you should. I, I really, I do see why people get excited about this band because it's a, uh, it's possibility to see these guys kind of charge right on and get into. Uh, Maybe owning enough money to buy one of Metallica's shoes, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sad, but true, yeah. yeah oh, sad, but true, Metallica. There you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Danny, final thoughts on the album? Well, in the words of Rings of Saturn, focus the radiation, set sights to paradoxical happenings. Colonies of resistance form. Well, if that doesn't get you excited for the album, nothing will. And with that, we're at the end of our uh, show for this week, Danny. Well, I've been Superman Brother Dan. And I've been Superman Mother Matt. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Feel free to jump onto facebook.com forward slash Demino Bros to find out more about us, ask us any question, or ask us what album to review. Because we'll review it, won't we, Danny? Yeah, why not, man? Yeah, we love albums. Until then, catch you guys next week. <laughs>